Hello and welcome to Spiritual Shit, your guide to the down and dirty of modern spirituality. This podcast is a place for people wanting to discover more about spirituality, where we can get weird about ghosts, mediumship, aliens, psychics, religion, new age, awakening, ascension, starseeds, channeling, holistic health, philosophy, and even dating. Some shows will be just me rambling about my mystical experiences and discoveries, while other shows will have guests to open up new perspectives and views. I hope you'll join me on this journey as we discuss and open up what spirituality in today's modern world really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelyleah.com or at thelovelyleah on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. Hello, 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 and welcome to another week. Welcome to November. I cannot believe that it's already November. I feel like this year has gone by so super fast. Uh, my my daughter is six months old today. It's insane. I hope you had an amazing Halloween yesterday. Uh, scrolling through my feed and seeing everybody's really creative costumes is one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> and uh, we had a really good time with our costume process. Veda was Darth Veda, and I was Princess Leia, <laughs> and that was fun. Uh, David was a stormtrooper, and my stepkids were uh, Ray and Mandalorian with a baby Yoda. So that was really fun. We went one place, and that was to lunch, and that was enough for trying to do the, the Halloween thing, I guess. It takes a lot of energy to get three kids wrangled up together, and they're already kind of hocked up on sugar. So, you know, <laughs> it's a lot to do. Uh, so we just came back home and we did uh, apparently now our yearly tradition where we have kind of a spooky scavenger hunt thing that David sets up and it was a lot of fun. So we had a good time. I hope you had a safe and fun Halloween. You know, this week has been a really challenging week for me. My parents got COVID and that was really fucking scary. I believe that we are out of the window of danger, I guess. They seem to be doing okay. And for those of you who did know, uh, thank you so much for sending me uh, love and light and healing uh, for my parents. I really do think that 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 helped. So, you know, I already have so much anxiety being an empathic person, but you add all of these things to our life and what's the world that we live in right now. And it's for me, it's just been really hard to process a lot of these, you know, dangers, if you will. And there are some people who take it seriously and some people who don't. And, you know, to know that uh, people very close to me have died of this and then my for my parents to get it and to thankfully have a very mild case, there are plenty of people who weren't so fortunate. So I'm just really thankful that um, they're doing okay. And so, yeah you know, hold your loved ones really close and uh, value the time that they have here because I was very much contemplating whether or not that was going to be um, our fate. And I'm really thankful that it's not so far. So just sharing something super raw. <laughs> anyway, let's get to some housekeeping announcements. We have our workshop coming up on Patreon if you are a $10 member, you can join patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah to join our workshops. You can also join Patreon just to see um, the rest of our episodes and other behind the scenes kind of things. But yeah, if you are a Patreon member, you also get to ask me questions directly of uh, things that you want to know. So on the 7th um, at 1 p.m. CST, we are having a workshop called Awake Now What? And we are answering all of your questions about awakenings, very, very specifically critical thinking questions that you can ask yourself to find things that resonate with you. So that way you are making sure that your journey is very specific and resonant with you as you're starting to discover all these new things about yourself and your spiritual body, spiritual entity, spiritual soul, whatever you want to call it. So uh, I hope to see you there this month. And if you have any questions as well, and you want to ask me, make sure to become a Patreon member, um, any level member to be able to ask me questions directly. We are not answering questions on Instagram. Um, but if you are writing me on Instagram, I do read them. I do see you. Uh, I do 
love. Thank you for all of the things that you guys have mentioned about the episodes that really hit you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you being a part of my community. Um, I just don't have the capacity to be able to answer everybody's questions over there. So I love you. Thank you guys again so much for sharing our episodes and uh, that when things really mean something to you, being able to put that out there in the ether for the collective to also hear. Uh, I'm just trying really hard to do my work uh, to fulfill my soul's purpose. And so it's really, really wonderful when I get to see and interact with you guys in that way. So that's all. I just want to say thank you. So let's get in today's episode where we will be talking about happiness and how to biohack that through Rada Agrawal's very cool system called DOS. So let's get into it. Rada Agarwal is a community force. The mastermind behind Daybreaker thinks Super Sprouts and Dose. She is a successful social entrepreneur, author, speaker, DJ, inventor, and investor who specializes in helping people find and build their community. Rada believes as citizens of the world, we all have a responsibility for uplifting our community and is passionate about empowering people from all works of life to be their best self. Through her work as a speaker and author, Rada offers life-changing strategies, tips, and tricks for creating meaningful communities. In a world where there are one in four Americans reporting not having anyone to confide in and where isolation is a growing endemic, Rada shares the key building blocks to finding your people, creating your dream community, and nurturing your sense of belonging because connectedness, as more and more studies show, is our key to happiness, fulfillment, and success. Rada is the co-founder and CEO of Daybreaker, the early morning dance and wellness movement in 30 cities and five continents. Rod has transformed the way people wake up in the morning with dance parties designed for stressed out college students, celebrities, Fortune 500 CEOs, and the people of all ages. Most recently, she launched a science-backed platform called Dose by Daybreaker. It's first-of-its-kind membership and community to practice joy with the goal of making practicing joy as synonymous as practicing yoga and meditation. She's currently teaching the practices of Dose every week, developing functional happiness teacher training program and writing her next book, The Joyride. Please welcome Rada to the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aliyah Lovely. And today we are talking to Rada Agrawal, who is just a powerhouse of a woman, a writer, a speaker, a DJ, um, a multiple investor of different companies, founder. You are just all around a very empowering woman to hate everybody. Hi, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> We're very excited because you have um, a lot to say about what it looks like for someone to live a happy life and a way that we can biohack our ways into better happiness, less loneliness, more belonging, in fact. Um, but before we get into that, I would love for our listeners to hear just the plethora of experience that you have, uh, where you've come from and how you got to this point today. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Where do I start? Um, you know, tomorrow, uh, yesterday was, uh, I guess two days ago was 9-11. And, and so 20 years in New York City, um, I started as an investment banker, you know, so I feel like I really understood spiritual shit later on in life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think after, you know, 9-11 um, happened, actually, that was the beginning of that spiritual awakening for me. I was 22 and I just was kind of sleepwalking through life, doing the thing that everyone else does, which is like, you know, you go to college, you get a job, you know, uh, to please your parents, you, um, you know, and, and you're living for um, what, you know, sort of the world wants of you rather than you authentically living your own light out loud. And so, um, so yes, I went from, so 9-11 happened and then from there, I began really exploring the world of entrepreneurship. Um, and so I've started, you know, many, many businesses over the last, you know, 20 years um, since then. Um, and uh, one of them, um, you know, notably would be Thinks, an underwear company that I started with my sister, uh, where you can, you know, sort of manage your menstruation through um, essentially, you know, reinventing the way we bleed um so that was um a a moment to really unpack um you know sort of what it meant to be a woman living in this world and really giving us a voice uh using products as our our vehicle to do so mm. um and and so allowing us to stay at work allowing us to stay at school school allowing us to continue doing what we do without having to um 
you know, think to about feel it. icky and think about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then from there, I started Daybreaker, which is what I'm doing now. I'm the founder and CEO of, of um, this sort of global, what became, I guess, this sort of surprising global dance community. And um, for me, when I was, you know, I was 35 and single living in New York City, and I was in the hamster wheel of building sinks with my sister, um, and there was nowhere to go for nightlife. Um, you know, at 35, you just don't really want to hang out in clubs where drinks are being spilt all over you, and you yeah. don't really want to wait in line outside, you know, some club, but you really, you know, I really love to dance. I really love to let my hair down. I really love to move my body. And, um, and so Daybreaker was really born out of the social experiment, this idea um, that, you know, would people be willing to dance in a time of day where typically we're sleeping? So the morning when our energy is the most full, we're the most optimistic as studies have shown and would, be, would, would people be willing to dance sober? Because I was sort of done with alcohol and just getting mm. fucked up, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I just was like, what am I doing? I'm 35, you know, I just don't wanna do this anymore, but I do love the experience of dressing up and going out and being with people and listening to music and, you know, kind of being in a performative experience. Um, so we'd create our own. And so Daybreaker was born out of this sort of idea that, you know, would, 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 you know, can we add all the ingredients where we bring wellness and nightlife together? And these two explosive communities, explosive markets, um, it really found an audience very quickly. And so we launched in 2013. Um, and then it just quickly took off. And so Daybreaker um, became this sort of global um, phenomenon. We, we grew to 28 cities in, in just a few years with $0 spent on marketing. Um, and we built this movement where, you know, we're 80% women, 20% smart men who know to wake up early <laughs> to be with women. Um, and and, uh, and um, it was a group of amazing go-getters, a type of person who's willing to wake up at sunrise to go dance in iconic locations like the Smithsonian or the White House or um, the Museum of Natural History, or the top of the World Trade Center, or Freedom Tower. Um, you have to be a certain type of person to want to wake up at sunrise um, without alcohol, dress up in costume, you know, get really yeah. you know, into this experience. So it's a very self-selecting um, kind of group of adventure seekers. You know, what I call in my book, FYFs, fuck yeah, friends, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and um, and it's sort of what, what you want in life is you want to surround yourself with people who are leaning in, not shoulder shrugging or shit talking. Um, so that was kind of the genesis of Daybreaker. And um, and we, you know, during the pandemic, we had to shut down all of our locations and all of our sponsors, you know, had to take a pause for these last two years. And then we launched online and we just were like, all right, like, how can we continue serving our community who are really struggling with loneliness, depression, suicide, crazy amounts of anxiety at home. So we launched Daybreaker Virtual, which we're still doing to this day, um, where we were doing weekly Saturday morning dance parties during the pandemic from my living room. Mm -hmm. And we had 20,000 people logging on. For, and then we had, you know, Boys to Men and Gloria Estefan and all these incredible like 20 plus artists come on to Daybreaker Live during the pandemic, which by the way, right before that, we went on a nine stadium tour with Oprah. Um, and so it was like 135,000 person stadium where we opened for Oprah every stop of the tour to you know our living room during mm -hmm. the pandemic so this is like crazy whiplash um but also this incredible opportunity to really bring technology as a service to use to bring people together rather than isolate and push us away mm -hmm. uh, the way that it had traditionally you know been doing so we served over you know two hundred thousand people during covid um and we continue to do that our sponsors came back online as well and then about five months ago, we launched back IRL um, in New York, Miami, um, and now tomorrow in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian. Um, wow. So we're slowly reopening our cities. And uh, you wrote a um, book somewhere in there, too. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> and then I wrote I wrote a book. I want to basically open source all that we learned at Daybreaker. You know, people I would get you know emails 50 times a week, people, you know, asking me, hey, I just started a community or. I want to start my own business or I want to create an organization. And then I would have these one hour coffees with people or like one hour Zoom calls, but it was just never enough time to disseminate, right. you know, 10, 20 years of information. So I just 
said to myself, you know, to, to save my own time, but also to give people the full gamut of what I learned over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, I wrote this book and open sourced everything that we had learned along the way, building Daybreaker, building my own personal community. And like I actually, you know, started at 30 years old. I woke up and I realized I didn't belong, you know, personally. And I had this sort of wake up call of like, whoa, I'm kind of living for other people. I'm sleepwalking through life. Let me actually reimagine my own community for myself. And that was the beginning of this journey of putting community first before romantic relationship, before career, and really prioritizing community, which completely changed my life, which is actually what led me to find the love of my life, which led me to build, you know, mul- you know multiple um, hundred plus million dollar brands, you know, and so I really, I really believe that if you put community first, which is why I wrote this book, right. um, your entire life opens up and, and now I have a two-year-old and so mom is actually my most coveted title at this point. I, I don't see myself. I'm not like one of those people who identify as a mom. I, I feel yeah. very much, you know, polymath. Like I'm mom is one of my many different interests mm-hmm. and um, and sort of life goals. And so, um, so that's it. That's yeah. my show. I mean, yeah. well, there, there's a lot to, to glean from there. And in fact, you did a summary of our interview today because uh, I want to <laughs> go through a lot of those things which uh, with you. Um, let's go back to uh, Daybreaker because the, the first time I had ever heard of anything like this was when I was living in Bali in January of 2020 and um, they called it ecstatic dance. And so they were like, oh, you go to this place in the morning and you dance or whatever, sure. Um, and one of my girlfriends was like, yeah, you should go. And I was like, it's hella early in the morning. <laughs> um, and she's like, but it's super fun. It's like, it's kind of like a club in the morning. And I was like, I'm totally down for this. Cause at the time I didn't drink at all and I, no substance, no nothing. And so I was like, okay, let's check this out. So when I went, it was the first time really getting ex- experience, uh, letting go in a way that didn't require, um, the, the nightlife type of vibe. And which I wasn't like super into anyway. And I heard another uh, interview that you did that very similar parallel lines of thinking there. And so when I was there, I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is fun. Like, I feel like I can just like really get into my body. Uh, It's a way of exercise that didn't feel draining to me. I didn't like leave that and was like, oh man, I'm so stressed or whatever. We are going to talk about the chemical response to that. Cause I really, really appreciate your perspective on that. But, um, And it was so much fun. And we would like, we would dance for hours, like three hours, sweating, no air conditioning anywhere outside and then leave and then do the rest of our day. And I thought, wow, what a novel concept to get up early in the morning and and dance for three hours. Like nobody has to dance for three hours, but like that, it was so fun. It was my highlight of the week. Um, How did you come upon um, you know, this idea, because we're going to lean into like what essentially biohacking happiness. And I want to talk to you about your perspective of, first of all, how did you discover that this was something that was super needed, but then how did it shape and form your philosophy on how people can biohack their own happiness? Yeah. So first of all, I love that you did that. And it takes courage to honestly, to wake up and dance without substances, without the need for a social lubricant as well. Um, and to be witnessed by, you know, hundreds of others in that creative opening inside of yourself. And so, um, so yeah, I th- you know, I think for me, it was really um, over the last eight years since we launched Daybreaker, it's just the number of letters and transformational conversations that we've had from, you know, community members who have said, you know, I've always had to lean on drugs and alcohol to have a good time, or I was suicidal, or I was, you know, overweight and all of a sudden, and I found finally a place and space where I could be fully expressed, where I could, you know, really sweat in a way that wasn't again, spiking cortisol, right? Because so often high intensity interval training, as many studies have just come out recently, actually make you more stressed and spike your cortisol. And what we need more is to relax. Mm-hmm. You know, we need more uh, social connection. We need more opportunities to allow our self-expression to open. And I just, um, and we're just not giving ourselves um, these opportunities to do, in, to do so in this sort of exercise industrial complex that we're all living in, which is saying like six pack abs, like get yeah. down and give me 10, like go and do high interval intensity, you know, in, in interval training and all these wild workouts that, that exist as a result. 
um, that end up actually creating heart arrhythmias and all kinds of things that are, are, are bad for your body. And it's, it's no wonder that America sits at number 42 on the life longevity list, despite how technologically advanced we are, despite how sort of advanced we are in the world, we are in the middle of the life longevity list because we are just so stressed. And, and so, you know, one of the things that I discovered over the last, again, over the last eight years of doing this is just that the joy that people feel, and I started really getting deep into um, researching joy, researching happiness, and realizing that so much of that space of joy and happiness is cut off at the neck. Mm-hmm. It's all connected to mental health, conversation, therapy, um, that sort of thing, rather than it being a brain body biohacking opportunity where you can actually unlock your happy neurochemicals, not just with talk therapy or SSRI meds, um, but actually through dance and through movement, through music, through social connections, mm-hmm. through it, sort of non-substance driven activities. And so where you're being witnessed by other people. And so I'll, I'll get into that in just a second, but you know, so much of what's happening online, including Daybreaker, we do have an online Daybreaker plus joy practice where you can practice joy at home in the comforts of your home after we've sort of scoured the world for all the most potent joy practices. But what I've found is that when you actually are being witnessed by other people in dance and in your self-expression and in your movement, something happens inside of you where you actually realize, because humans are so spectacularly social, we are born from another human, we are driven by social lubricant. We are, it's, it's actually crazy to be using words like introvert, I mean, like introvert and words like, like that separate and isolate us. And, and yes, there's moments to fill up, you know, energetically in the comforts of your own space. But those are actually, if you speak with many um, therapists and psychiatrists, psychologists, they will say that those who identify as being more closed or being more comfortable in those closed environments have had past traumas that not have not been mm. um, that have not been um, dealt with that have not been worked through and lack often of it's stuck in, like lack of safety exactly yeah. so I was I was you know I called up so a, good, a girlfriend of mine a perfect example when I had this conversation with her I said hey you know let's unpack your you know your reason for calling yourself introvert and how you feel up alone and she said. So we got into it and she said, no, 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 that's, that's where I fill up with energy. Well, I was like, well, let's actually unpack that because I know you love throwing dinner parties. I know you love having community, right? And so we unpacked it and she realized and started crying when she was talking about it. She's like, oh my God, the root of it is when I was in second grade, I had met a friend of mine that it was the first friend that I met that I was so excited about. And I called her up on the phone one day and I invited her over for dinner and she just started laughing at me. And I think she just didn't hear me correctly as I found out later on that it just kind of, there was some sort of signal on the phone that didn't make me hear her correctly. And, um, and it made me recoil and made me feel like, and I, I've always remembered that moment of being laughed at after a friend, I invited a friend over for dinner mm. and I had planned this whole meal, this whole thing uh, with my mom. And it just made me feel um, that way. And then of course, I've now since unpacked this with many, many, many friends. And there's been moments in their life where they were bullied or they were othered or they were left out or they felt um, uninvited or just moments in their life that made them feel more safe in that environment. But it doesn't necessarily make you happier or make you more joyful. Even if it might fill you up with a sense of safety and comfort, it's not necessarily making you more joyful. And so, so much of the rhetoric that's being pushed out in the world today is people writing books or people feeling better about their own life by putting out stuff that is ultimately more harmful to the human experience. And so it's important for us to be very discerning about where we get our information from and from who we're getting our information from, even if it's in print. So even if you read my book about belonging, ask yourself, is this person worthy of following? Is this person telling, um, giving exercises that are actually going to enhance my life and make it more joyful, more happy, rather than say, yeah, that's right. I am happier in the comforts of my, you know, in my introverted space or in my locked up space or in my, you know, traumatized space because the the author might be traumatized too, right? right? And so, 
And so it's so important to actually ask ourselves, not just from books, but from news and from podcasts, everywhere we're getting our information, is this experience making me less joyful and more isolated from other people? Is it making me more pigeonholed um, in my human experience rather than more open? A hundred percent. And I think that what's really interesting about this is in a post COVID era, a lot of people have gone through this deep isolation that we've all experienced on some level or another. And so upon us experiencing this particular type of isolation, there's a lot of anxiety involved that for, for a lot of people itself was a trauma, uh, keeping people from feeling comfortable in spaces, safe in spaces that they have anxiety, even myself, I'm a new mom. And I noticed that I've become a lot more introverted. Um, one, because that's the nature of the beginning of the job, if you will, one of the many, like you said, um, <laughs> but there's this part of me that feels like, okay, I don't want to put my daughter at risk of getting sick, um, in general circumstances, but in also in the COVID circumstances. So I found myself hanging out less with people, um, feeling more like, okay, I'm not going to be in these big groups or whatever, because if I take something home, we had some people over at the house, um, you know, one weekend, three different friends come to the house and they hold the baby and everything. And she got really sick and like for like 10 days and mind you, she was a month old or something like that. So like, for me, that was like the trauma. And I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. anyone now. Um, but for everybody else who's experiencing kind of this collective trauma, we're having a lot of like, like you said, like a lot of information coming in, that's being like, okay, invest in yourself. This is the awakening introspection time, which is valuable, of course. But when you find yourself so isolated that you don't have anybody that you can turn to, to witness you, exactly to witness you, uh, to belong. I know how, how dumb I feel dancing in my living room by myself than I do. If I'm at a place where other people are also, (laughs) um, to have someone witness you, is, is, uh, the, one of the highest needs a human has. Um, I know that when I was talking to my therapist, like uh, that sense of belonging comes as a result of someone being able to witness you, accept you like right at where you're at. And so can you speak to what it looks like when people are, are in this stage and they're feeling fearful about being able to, uh, build communities within themselves again, or, and, or if this trauma has then separated them from the people that have been grandfathered into their life versus them auditing and choosing their friendships now. Totally. There's so, there's so much here to unpack. Um, the first actually is, um, you know, other than COVID, which is obviously a very scary and, and, and life-threatening thing, your daughter's building immunity. So when yes. she's sick, that's a good thing, yeah. even if it's scary. So let that also move through as well, though at one month, I can only imagine, of course. Um, but, but yeah, so she has great immunity now. So let's keep that going. Um, so, so I think, you know, when it comes to being witnessed and, and why people are so afraid right now, because A, we live in such a compare and despair culture from social media. We live in a a place where we second guess ourselves constantly because of the cancel culture we live in. So even going on dates or even being with friends, like in some ways it's stressful because you don't want to say the wrong thing or what if you offend or what if something, you know, it's so easy to rupture and we forget to repair, to rupture, Mm -hmm. to then repair, rupture, repair in any relationship, any love relationship with every rupture, there's always a repair if we're willing to go there. And I think that, you know, because we live in such a cancel culture, one rupture, there's no more repair. And I just think that we need to, especially with longer relationships, relationships where where you have a lot of of minds to 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 move through. It's easy if you have a friend for ten years to be like, oh, I'm you know I'm done with this friend, and and it's over because there's too many ruptures. Of course, that said you know, if you've moved past, if you've actually graduated past and you're now into a spiritual, more spiritual space and this friend is still in the shit talking kind of like 1.0 talking about people, not ideas space, um, then it's time to move on. And then you have to either have a hard conversation and just say, Hey, listen, um, I'm, I'm going through a personal change right now. And I'm going to be taking some time, you know, to myself. And I just want to, um, let you know that, you know, I, I really appreciate and have deeply um, uh, enjoyed our friendship for 10 years, but I'm going to be going in a different direction right now. And, and I just think it's like really important for, for us to have this conversation or either, or give the friend who's been grandfathered in the benefit of the doubt and just say, Hey, listen, I feel like I'm moving to a place that's less about shit talking or less about, you know, less about going out and getting wasted or less about, 
you know, doing these things that are, that are um, not supporting my joy, not supporting my sense of belonging, not supporting my sense of well-being. And I would love you to come with me on this wild journey of, of self-discovery and facing ourselves and moving here. But if you're if if you're still in this other space, like I, there's zero judgment. I just love you, and I'll always be grateful for our time together. But I'm just I'm just not in the space anymore of wanting to live in these types of paradigms. So that's the first thing of like graduating and grandfather, graduating past grandfathered and friends who are no longer serving your joy and no longer serving your sense of belonging. So that's super important to, um, to do that for yourself as a human being, especially post COVID where it's like the mystery of life is you never know when it's gonna end and it's time to like really live right mm -hmm. now, you know? And then the second thing is, you know, to what you were saying around like isolating yourself because of trauma or because of fear and not wanting to reach out and say, hey, I, I wanna build friendships now. This is the time to actually write down your via, which in my book, I write about, I unpack, but it's your values, your interests, and your abilities. So what are your values today, Aliyah, you know, as a, as a new mom, as a, as someone who's curious and who's doing a podcast, as someone who is, you know, reaching out about spiritual shit. So like, these are sort of the things that you value in your life today. So let's write that down. What are all the things that you value today as a human being that you can really um, hang your hat on. And maybe, you know, three years ago, it might've been like going out and look but now it's, it's new and different for me as a mom. When I became a mom, my values changes. I, I redid my via chart just two years ago, um, to sort of realign who I want to spend my time with, how I want to, you know, who I want to reach out to, how I want to begin, you know, sort of investing and intentionally cultivating my community as a result of this new value system. So it's really important. You can Google values actually, and then Google will actually come up with hundreds of values that you can spend an hour. Oh, does this connect with me? Does this connect with me? And just spend the time writing down 10 to 20 values um, on in a one circle. So Matt, just draw out three circles. Circle one is your values. It's like a Venn diagram. Venn diagram. Circle, <laughs> yeah, Venn diagram. Exactly. Circle one value circle two is your interest. So what are you interested in exploring? Your interests and values could have lots of connections, but like, for example, for me, I'm interested in, you know, adventure travel and dance. I'm interested in music culture. I'm interested in cross-cultural pollination. I'm interested in intergenerational pollination. I'm interested in, in, in writing and, and learning about new ideas. I'm interested in entrepreneurship. I'm, inter I'm interested in um, social entrepreneurship and environmental entrepreneurship and in, in generative innovation. These are all things that I'm interested in exploring. Mm -hmm. So I write, I write that down in my, in my interests, right? And then your A is your abilities. Now your abilities can be like, it's not necessarily your abilities through the lens of what your resume would say, you know, but it's your abilities through the lens of what you can contribute to your community. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're a great chef, you know, maybe you're a great question asker because you do podcasts. So you will write down a dozen questions for your dinner party or whatever dinner you're going to, you might prepare 10 or 15 questions based on where you're going. So you'll have something to kind of like hang back on. When you ask a question, it really helps you not be shy. My mm -hmm. brother-in-law who's social, socially anxious, he at least used to say that about himself. And we've since had a conversation about why that is. And it turns out he had trauma from his childhood yeah. around social, um, you know, kind of getting socially bullied. And so he, we have reframed social anxiety to now uh, a strength that he now has, has honed. So he'll prepare or he'll think about, or he's become the best question asker in the world as a way to move through some of his shyness. Yeah. Um, so, so he'll walk into any room and he'll be like, Hey, Aaliyah, what are you most excited about right now? Rather than what do you do for a living? Or like, Hey, Aaliyah, you know, what, you know, what are three, you know, what are, what's something you're grateful for right now in this world? And so you'll be like, Oh, wow. I'm grateful and that's for my so daughter. nice because it's super rare for people to ask questions that are outside of the the normal like oh you know that's right it's like okay you don't really care it's just like a question to ask but yeah that's like a, a really freeing thing I'm sure for him to be able to kind of break through with that's right so and I have like seven or eight questions in my book as well that I kind of make it easy for you to sort of write down and and have in your back pocket um, at any dinner party that you'd go to that, um, that he helped me, that he, that, that, that are quoted from, from him. Um, and he writes actually about, um, social lubrication. That's what he, that's what he sort of spends a lot of his time working and writing about as well. Yeah. And so I think, um, coming back to this idea of, you know, feeling nervous about getting back into the world, your A, your abilities in that via chart, what are you good at 
to bring to your community. So maybe you're good at cooking, maybe you're good at asking questions, maybe you're good at bringing musical instruments. I have a friend who always has a bag that he that he carries with like little drums and little harmonicas and little like, you know, little fun, you know, sound bowls or whatever to bring to any event or, or any dinner party. So we're always like, yes, like Victorian's here because he has a bag full of little <laughs> goodies. You bag know? of tricks. <laughs> yeah, I have another friend. She is like a light you know, light queen. So whenever she comes into space, she's always like, turn off all the overhead light. It makes it all look old and weird. You know, and- No, so I'm that way. The- yeah, 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 me <laughs> I too. Hate I'm that. That way. I hate that too. Like I've literally like hate that. So I turn off all the lights. Um, I do the same thing, but she really kind of inspired me, you know, seven or eight years ago as being the light queen of like really thoughtfully thinking about light as a lens for joy. And we teach we teach this in our joy practice as well of like every aspect of light of, of life contributes to joy. It's what colors you wear, the lighting in your room, the nature that you're experiencing, the community you surround yourself with, what food you're putting in your body, how much sleep you're getting. There's so many aspects to our joy practice that we don't even think is connected to joy. And yet it so is. And so we're, we're building a whole um, functional joy coaching program and a teacher training and a whole thing to help people learn how to be more joyful through their functional life. So functional joy as like functional medicine, functional fitness, yeah. how to be more functionally joyful is a, is a universe that we're actually building right now. Um, but anyway, so important, like, sorry, not to interrupt yeah. you, but like, I think this is super important um, to look at the reflections in our life, like the smaller things as, as vehicles for joy. So for instance, I'm super into like home stuff and yes. aesthetics and like, I'm a, I'm a previous life photographer and people have kind of come to me as a a spiritual teacher, if you will, or whatever, what's the importance? Like, why do you care so much about your house or things or whatever? And I was like, hold on. Uh, It's it's very much. It brings me joy. When I walk into my space, if my space looks good, it feels good. I like jewelry. For instance, I talked to a friend about the, um, the ritual of adornment and what that looks like to adorn ourselves and adorn our bodies in ways and whatever. I'm like, gold makes me happy. So, you know, (laughs) ways in which we're able to to look at ourselves, look at our space, look at our friendships, look at our environments in order to cultivate more joy into our life. And so something that that you have coined that I find mind breaking that no one came up with this beforehand. And you know what I'm going to talk about (laughs) is, um, your dose prescription. So I would love for you to break it down. What is dose and, and why is this an important way that we can hack ourselves for, for happiness? Right. So, so when I was writing my book, I was like, you know, thinking about our neurochemistry, your neurochemistry, like what are the ingredients in our brain that we can reverse engineer? If we can understand these parts of our brains, we can actually reverse engineer happiness and joy. We can understand what our brain needs to be happy. So when I wrote down, okay, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins, I looked and I was like, oh my gosh, our four happy neurochemicals spells out the word dose. Mm -hmm. I was just like, of course it does. Of course it does. It's like we can dose ourselves on our own natural high, our own natural supply. We don't need any other outside chemicals. We've got it all in here. We can dose ourselves if we just understand our brain more and not just blindly go to a doctor and just say, Hey, I'm sad. And then the doctor says, Hey, here's a prescription for this sadness, you know? And, and, and so, and so dose is really the building blocks of joy and of happiness. So let's just get into it really quickly. So dopamine is our neurotransmitter connected to pleasure and reward. So when we think about getting things done, you know, you're, 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 you talk about like tidying up your space or adorning yourself with beautiful jewelry or even listening to music as a soundscape. That's all a dopamine hit of just like, I got something done or I did something for myself or I listened to music or I went out at sunrise to daybreaker to go dancing. These are all dopamine inducing activities and opportunities that you want to think about what in my life can I get done today? Or can I, or can I, um, or can I connect with pleasure and reward the pleasure of making my bed in the morning? That's a dopamine hit. When you actually literally fluff out your pillows and make your bed in the morning, that's, you wouldn't think about it, but I now, as I began to do a lot of research on this, I realized, wow, something as simple as making your bed can release that first happy neurochemical in the Mm -hmm. morning. 
You know, think about an alarm clock. Like everyone here should sort of in some ways reimagine the concept of an alarm as being a negative dopamine um, hit because the first thing you hit in the morning when you when you get your alarm to turn, when your alarm turns on is you hit snooze. So you're automatically basically saying to yourself, I'm lazy, I suck, I'm snoozing. I'm like, you know, I'm not getting the thing done in my life. And so we have literally trained ourselves when we hit the snooze button to slightly shame ourselves the moment we wake up in the morning. So to really reimagine snooze as me time. So if you did that and the dopamine hit of, yeah, I'm giving myself eight minutes of me time to keep sleeping, to stretch it out rather than uh, I suck for, for hitting snooze. That's just like a simple dopamine reimagine, right? Um, oxytocin is the, the, the neurochemical, the hormone connected to love. It's a cuddle hormone. So when you cuddle your baby, so very much connected to you know, breastfeeding, maternal instinct, hugging, touching, sex, intimacy, all of that is connected to oxytocin. So we, if we just hug someone for seven seconds, that is the oxytocin we need to be happy. Now, it, it's interesting because so many of us during COVID did not have a single hug for over a year, did not have any, some, and someone even shaking your hand or high-fiving you yeah. or like make, reassuring you with any type of physical connection. Humans cannot survive or thrive without physical connection. Mm -hmm. And we forget that in our quest for radical individualism, independence, going against the grain. I don't need anybody. I'm a feminist. I'm good. You know, like in that rhetoric, we are completely forgetting our biological, neurological, hormonal need for touch, intimacy, and love. And so it's so critical to get that on the daily, to get that in our community, in our friendships, in our teachers, in our, to allow our children to be hugged by their teacher. It is now illegal in schools for public school teachers to hug their, ch their children or doctors in some way, some cases to hold the hands of their patients for fear of being sued by the teacher or by the parent for sexual harassment or whatever. You know, one of these amazing leaders in at Pixar Disney, who I love, was kicked out of Disney for hugging his employees. And the women came out and said it was, you know, sexual harassment. And and I I just feel like we're going too far on the side of like being afraid to touch each other. And yes, it's so important to advocate for me too. I mean, I certainly had been the victim as a female entrepreneur so many times of that type of inappropriate behavior by by male investors and by by, you know, by people in that space. But I also know the danger of of being in that victim mode to a point where we are no longer a, we are no longer touching each other and realizing the the ease of Spanish culture, like here's a wild stat, Mexicans and um, Spaniards touch each other upwards of 135 times in a conversation, whereas Americans touch each other zero to one times in a conversation. You I, know, I 100% believe that because when I'm, I'm a big traveler and I notice like I, I, I feel so great when I'm in yes. South America and, and the, the ease in which people are, are just very very touchy feely. And I noticed that like when I came back home, that feeling of, um, what I called skin hunger, um, this lack of oxytocin buildup or whatever, especially like in the dating world, when I lived in New York and it was a, a lot of, uh, the, the men that I found that I was dating or ended up crossing with on, on these dating apps were looking for that oxytocin hit via sex. And so exactly that they were missing that just as a general principle, as far as a, a, a love, a chemical, a hormone that they needed, that they didn't just need to accomplish through intercourse, but like, I mean, you know, hug our, like, you know, hug our people. <laughs> That's it. And, but, but I think, you know, like America is the number one watcher of pornography yep. and we are also the most lacking of intimate and loving friendship touch because of our our litigious country and so it's just like we're putting ourselves between a rock and a hard place here and that's why we are also the number one pop pill poppers in the world mm. um as well for ssri meds because of this major gap between sex 
and intimacy and this misunderstanding between between the two. And it's just like we're we're creating all these problems for ourselves and and we just need to begin as women telling these stories of the importance of obviously safe touch but touch being a very, very important. I love the concept of skin, skin hunger. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, and yeah, we expand on that all the time. So, yeah. so that's oxytocin. The mm-hmm. S in dose is serotonin. And serotonin is all about feeling a sense of gratitude, feeling a sense of slowing down, going outside, rest and digest. Um, our, our serotonin is actually 90% of this most important um, uh, neurochemical connect, connected to joy, happiness, ease, serotonin. When you're low on serotonin, you take anxiety meds. Like this is like the one that's connected to anxiety and depression mm. is serotonin. So you can actually amplify serotonin in your body naturally by going outside, by being into the sun, by eating good food that nourishes your body, that creates serotonin that sends up to your brain. You can get serotonin by feeling a sense of gratitude, by feeling, recognizing that not everything in life is shit, but that you can wake up and you're grateful for the pillow behind your head. You're grateful for the hot shower that you have. You're grateful for the food that you're eating. Just just moving from a sense of compare and despair, feeling that othering, feeling the news, all the shit that we're listening to these days and moving to a sense of, let me just cut all the negative inputs in my life, negative friends who are just making me feel shitty about myself, any of those inputs, get rid of them, unfollow them, un, you know, just get out all that out and just start living from a place of gratitude and your serotonin begins to be in such deep abundance. Serotonin is also what you get from moving away from self into a sense of belonging, into a sense of the collective. In this world of self-help, many of which is tied to spiritual growth can often be such an isolating, individualized experience. We get caught inside ourselves. We forget that the spiritual, actual, the spiritual healing happens when you move from the healing inside to the healing outside, how you relate to other people. That's spiritual shit. So meditation is not about you being calm in yourself, but it's about you being calm in yourself to better relate to the world, to not be quick to anger, to not be quick to judgment, to not be quick to, to, to cancel your friend. Meditation prepares you to better relate, to better serve your fellow man and woman. And that's what we forget in this spiritual quest. You know, it's crazy. I have a note about that. And I think this is really important that you said that because there are a lot of people that are seeking serotonin in a way that they're spiritually bypassing what's going on in their life in the world. And what you said that you made a really good point to is that we're not necessarily shutting everybody out or anything that's negative. So we can be high vibe or high positivity or whatever, but the meditation practice, the process is to better empathize with other people, better connect with other people that are unlike us, that have different perspectives than us, being able to connect to them, to be calmer and be present, um, to, to open up and have more of a connection to our community, not to isolate ourselves within our, our high vibe guru-ness or whatever. That's right. That's right. So I love that. I love that as a point. So continue. And, and then, then, and then the lastly is the E yeah, the E in dose, which is endorphins. And endorphins is all about movement. It's all about that runner's high feeling that sort of that glisten. And I always say like, don't sweat, glisten mm-hmm. because like red face and sweating and panting is like a spike of cortisol. It's actually bad for you. Mm-hmm. So when you think that you're like sprinting on the treadmill to like feel good about yourself, and that's gonna actually help you tone and own to tone, you know, tone and own your body. It's actually making you spike your cortisol. And then you take days off to rest And then you're sort of in this cycle of like spiking and then decelerating, spiking, decelerating, rather than finding a daily joy practice, a daily movement practice, whether it's dance or qigong or or walking or, of course, there's like different types of physical activities that will get your heart rate up and all these will, like you said, three hours of dancing, ecstatic dance will do that. But if you did that on the daily and you found activities that made you glisten daily, that things that you look forward to daily, which is why we actually built this joy platform to help people find hundreds of activities that that aren't about crazy intensive, high intensity workouts, but things 
that will make you feel good, like forest bathing, walking in nature, um, to breath work, to of course dance, to um, massage, self-massage is a beautiful practice of moving your fascia, moving your muscles, moving your, your, your um, just all the fluids in your body that doesn't necessarily require you working out your muscles, but you can actually just full on massage your fascia. And that actually wakes up your cells and keeps them young and vibrant mm-hmm. and vi- vital. Um, and so endorphins, you can get, of course, from raising your heart, from glistening, from moving your body. And of course, like endorphins help you re- reduce pain. It's a natural analgesic, right? So it helps you when you're thinking about like when you cut yourself and you just went for a dance party, it doesn't hurt as much because your body, your your body is circulating so much that it's a natural painkiller. So it's really good to, and honestly, also self-pleasure, um, you know, masturbation, all of that as a spiritual practice is a beautiful endorphin release. Um, and I actually did that when I was, I, I have Lyme disease right now. I'm upstate in, in Rhinebeck and I, yeah, I got, I got bitten by a tick and I'm dealing with Lyme disease right now. Fortunately, I caught it early on. Um, everyone get tested, but I'm on antibiotics right now. Um, but I also in the middle of my, like, I thought I was going to die two weeks of not knowing what it was, thought it was the flu. Um, I just self-pleasured and that endorphin rush through my body took away the pain that I was feeling for. I couldn't get comfortable in my own skin for days and I was 104 fever, but I just forced myself. And maybe this is too much information, but I just feel like women forget that we have this natural power to, to a self-pleasure, feel pleasure and um, reduce pain in moments of, of pain and struggle. It's, it's there for us um, to practice and to unlock whenever it we want. Never, That's an endorphins. Never too much information on the show. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what a beautiful way to kind of wrap up with the idea of dose and the way that we can biohack our own happiness through these particular practices that enhance our neurotransmitters in a way that, that doesn't require us to take supplements. Um, which I mean, some people need them, which, you know, fine, but there's a way that you're looking for, uh, shifting and transforming your own happiness practices. This is a really good way to start. Um, so how do people, you know, uh, for instance, I'm, I'm thinking about my own happiness and I'm looking at my life. Um, I was having a very real moment of overwhelm, uh, upon being a new mother. I'm also a stepmom, not having the the connection to my community that I'd like to have not being able to travel like I want to right now. Um, and feeling, um, for the first time in some time really unhappy. And for me, I'm lucky that it only comes in little spurts and stuff. Like I don't have an overwhelming hang of cloud for me, um, which some people do experience, but I was in this space of like, okay, I have everything that I want in my life. Like I have taken the time I have manifested this incredible partner, child, home, you know, um, job (laughs) and I'm sitting here and I'm really unhappy and I feel really, really upset. So I was thinking about, I was thinking about hormones and I was like, I haven't worked out in a long time. I should probably go work out or whatever, but I don't look forward to working out. Like I, in fact, I hate it quite, quite a month, a bit, um, And my partner was like, Hey, like what you should do is you should cut your hair. And well, cause right now I'm going through a lot of postpartum hair loss. Like, like if you didn't, those of you who not are not watching, but like my edges are gone (laughs) and it's, it's traumatizing a little bit to lose your hair like that in the shower. And, um, he's like, you should just cut your hair and you should go swimming every day because he knows how much I love the water. And I thought, no, cause then I won't be pretty anymore. <laughs> I don't have my hair, you know, that like do it something, you know? And I was like, I've had my hair short. Like I've gone through a few, uh, you know, pixie cuts before in my life, but there was this part of me that was like, you know, there, there must be a different way to do this where I can actually feel joyful about the practices I have in my life. Like, I don't want to feel like these are have tos anymore. I want to feel like these are get tos. And that's right. When I was doing the research for our interview and I was like, heck yeah, like I forgot, like I love to dance. Like, um, I went downstairs. It was as upon us booking this interview, actually, that I went downstairs and I was like, I used to choreograph dances. I used to get up and dance for my high school, like pep rallies and stuff. I'm going to make up a dance and just do it or whatever. And I sweat so hard. 
And, and I came upstairs 40 minutes later and I was like, that was fun. Yes. Like, I would like to go downstairs and do that the next morning. And then I couldn't, cause I was up with the baby, but, um, it was the, the transformation of the way I thought about it. So like, talk to me, cause you are just this, such a vibrant person and you have all these really amazing life experiences as someone to look at your resume and go through your life, all the shifts and changes that you've made as a result to expand in your own life, um, to me is actually pretty daring. And so how can someone apply the dose to their own life and find new ways to be able to not just hack their, their neurotransmitters to be happy, but to actually live a happy life. So, right. So, so the first thing is, I think that everybody, we're all in the same boat, which is, you know, we are being taught to go from collective states of trauma to collective states of okayness, Mm -hmm. right? So we read the book with the self-help books, all these things. And now we're like, okay, like I'm no longer traumatized. I've moved through like, you know, this, abuse or this moment or this bullying or this thing. I'm now like, I'm okay. Like I feel like I'm meditation, whatever. but what I've found is that to go from states of I'm okay, or I'm like, yeah, life is good. I've got all my, you know, all my thing, my boxes are checked, but why don't I feel joyful? It's because we are not taught to go, how to go from states of okayness to states of joy. And it's not intrinsic in this society that we live in for sort of, and it's not easy to, to learn how to do that on your own. So if you're feeling that way, you're, it's, you're not alone, first of all. It's like the majority of, of the world feels that way. And it's until you actually sit down and you realize, oh, right, joy is a muscle I have to practice like anything in life, like writing, like driving a car, like anything in life. Joy is a muscle I have to practice and work on every day. And what a fun thing to work on, right? It's like, what a fun gift to myself that it is to work on. It's to, okay, like, all right, I'm working on my joy. Like that's cool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so to wake up, so, so, to, so step one is to recognize that having a joy practice or working towards being more joyful is both a courageous act. And so, yes, it does require courage. And it is something that, and courage is in, the, in us as human beings. We, to have made it here on this wild spinning planet in this like crazy vast universe, every single one of us has courage in our hearts. That is a given. We've just forgotten about it. And we have, we've just le- allowed all the outside inputs to get in. But once we begin to sit down, like, right, part of courage is sitting down and finding the joy in being more joyful, in building a joy practice for myself. And so what is a joy? So we, you know, so one of the things that I'm very focused on now as like my new, like, this is it, is helping people develop their own joy practice. So what is a joy practice for you, for example, right? So it's like, okay, let's dream up a morning joy practice for you. So when you wake up in the morning, this is the thing that you do that's going to bring you the most amount of joy in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. So it could, and it could be also connected to food. What are you going to eat in the morning? How, you know, what music, what is the playlist that we're going to listen to in the morning mm-hmm. that we change once a month? That's going to like, you put this on and you're like brushing your teeth and you're already feeling like, okay, like this is going to be a great day. It's lyrics that speak to your soul. It's stuff that you love listening to. We forget about music being yeah. a gateway to our soul, you know? And then, and then, and then, and then you have, like for me, it's like, I have a two song dance party. I do every morning. I do, I do a Japanese calisthenics and I wake up in the morning, but that's like a six and a half minute thing. It's on my platform. I, I recorded it for everybody, but if you don't have a calisthenics routine, do a yoga practice or do a meditation or do something that just stretches your body out of sleeping at night, especially if there's a new mom. Just yeah. stretching your body out is so critical to remember how vital you are, right? Yeah. So you go from that stretch in the morning um, to then putting on your playlist and give yourself a moment. And again, like I'm making this up for you, but but for me, this is what what I would do. It's like I, I, I this is what I do. I put on a musical playlist. I do, and I, I for me, I love the water, but I love hot water. I'm Japanese. I'm half Japanese, so I love baths and showers. So no matter what, every I'm morning Japanese, for I love that too. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. So bathing is a joy practice. Bathing is a joy practice. So we forget, we're just like, oh, right. I don't want to ruin my hair. So people don't wash it, but it's like, take the time to sit and soak your body in a bubble bath every single morning and night. Hmm. I take a shower and a bath every single day. And if you're part of California, it could be five minutes or two minutes or one minute. If you, you know, if you have water shortage, but in New York, there's no shortage of water. 
And so I'm able to do that and feel good about myself doing, you know, a low bath and a, and a 10 minute shower for myself. Um, but in that time, I'm just like ideating, I'm thinking, I'm allowing my body to just move and all my best ideas come in the shower. And then from there, um, Eli, my partner has like a smoothie waiting for me. And then we go downstairs and we have this like beautiful family breakfast together. And, and at breakfast, we'll, we'll, we'll share with each other three gratefuls. Honey, what are you grateful for today? Or what are you most looking forward to today? And then what am I grateful for? What am I looking forward to? And yeah. we, or, or three things I love about you. So like, maybe like I do that too. I'm like, tell me why you love me. Three things, you know, <laughs> and, I'll, and, and he'll share that with me and I'll share that with him. And sometimes it feels like a force or you can do that with a friend. If you're alone at home, you can call a friend and you say, share three gratefuls, find a friend to do that with. If you don't have a friend to do that with, come to Daybreaker. We have, mm-hmm. have 500,000 community members to do that with. Um, it's a wonderful community to share gratefuls with as well, or just share something you're looking forward to and having a community to hold you to your joy practice, to hold you to staying true and staying in joy and, and have it not become a chore. And as soon as it becomes a chore, change the playlist, mm-hmm. change the routine, change the thing. So saying that, okay, like in this week, I'm going to eat like a breakfast sausage every morning because it brings me joy, whatever, right? Like, <laughs> so I change up my food. I change up my, my, you know, my entire um, routine all the time. By the way, we grow our own pigs at the farm and we, when we, we, make, we make our own meat mm-hmm. at the farm here in Rhinebeck as well. So as a spiritual practice, um, um, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to, to learn to do. Um, anyway, but, um, just for the meat, you know, the, the, the meat eating conversation is another spiritual conversation, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, talk on Patreon after. Yeah, 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 totally. But anyway, all this to say, it's so critical for us to find the joy and sitting down to be like, okay, what brings only like, what brings me joy? I love, I love dancing. I love swimming. I love eating this type of food. I love my daughter. I want, I love this type of music. I love you know, this type of nature. I love these colors that bring me joy. I love this, you know, I love taking these 10 deep breaths. I love closing my eyes and just like thinking about like, you know, what actually, you know, something spiritual that makes my heart feel good. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, that took 30 minutes and I just feel epic, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, a lot of people ask me often, um, what are rituals that you suggest that ritual you do or is critical. And I, I noticed when I woke up in the morning, um, I'm, I'm trying to do this practice, uh, to, to work on reducing my fibroids. I have these like really terrible fibroids that are, you know, that I'm trying to heal naturally. And so getting up in the morning and doing my teas and doing the turmeric and like putting the things together, whatever I noticed. And I just recently started this as a routine that like in the morning, when I can start my day this way, I feel a lot better. Like, I feel like I got to do my little thing and, you know, like I had right. my up and, um, and starting the day that way. And well, that's we're, so awesome. We'll talk a little bit more about this, uh, on Patreon and, and something that I really want to talk to you about is, um, how to make, oh, sorry, the, the last ahead. thing I was going to say, yeah, that's what I was going to say about the routine is to be witnessed, oh, you know, yeah. to be yeah. witnessed. And, and I think, you know, it doesn't stop at that after that 30 minutes, you've done the routine. But then it's so critical and not just your primary partner. It's so critical to be witnessed by community and friends outside of your primary partner, because so often we amortize our entire emotional landscape to our lover or our partner. And, and there are primary attachment. Now you move your primary attachment from your parents to your partner. Mm -hmm. And so now they get all your anger, all your frustration, all the things, but you need friends and community members two or three if at the beginning just like at the at a time like like just to start but like a community is three or more people you know so it's like that's all you need is to find two or three people to witness you to be able to say hey Aliyah, I know you're having a moment with your partner let's unpack it together when oh my god what kind of tea did you make today I let I'm gonna make that tea too and then you feel affirmed and then you're like oh my gosh like and then all of a sudden you're like there's a pep in your step because you've been witnessed mm-hmm. being your epic version of yourself by humans who celebrate you mm-hmm. right and they're like oh I love your hair I love I love the braid up in your hair I love the black and white pattern shirts that you're wearing that's so dope I love your, your accoutrements behind you. Oh, it's a headband. Cool. <laughs> like, I love your adornments behind you. That's so my vibe. I love it. You know, and it's like, 
someone to be able to share with you and your joy for the life that you're leading. And then you can affirm them back. And there's a beautiful conversation. That is the ultimate joy practice is being witnessed by friends and community members who share your via, who align with you and who you feel seen by and, um, and who you care about, you know, and that's it. That's like, and that is like, that's it. And as soon as you have that, you're like, what? I'm like, I am complete, you know? Yeah. Well, it's an energy exchange. And to be witnessed is being able to exchange that energy, have someone affirm you and you affirm them and feel like, I exist. Yes, <laughs> Someone sees that I exist. <laughs> and and that it's being an, a big feeling. What'd you say? But it's an equal energy exchange, yeah. a triple E in my book. It's an equal, as in like, there's so many people in your life that are energy vampires, yeah. you know? So who like suck the energy out of you and you're like, oh, that was so draining. So you want to find community members who are going to be an equal energy exchange who you're like, oh my God, what are they going to say next? Oh, what are they going to say? And you're like, tell me, you know? And that's <laughs> the type of, of exchange and friendship that you want in your life and ask yourself, am I the energy vampire? Am I sucking the energy out of the people and the wind out of my friends in my life? And I know that there's days where I can be the energy vampire. I know that there are days where, where I'm like, in a, I, I woke up and walked out of the bed and I can suck the wind out of my primary partner's sail. And I'm like, oh, and then I like, I'll catch myself. And I'm like, man, like I'm being, the energy vampire right now. And that doesn't feel good. How can I actually be an equal energy exchange partner to my, to my primary, but also to my friends in the world? So how are we being energy vampires too? You know? Yeah. That's an important question. I think a lot of people don't ask themselves. Um, we're going to continue this interview over at Patreon and we're going to definitely talk guys about, um, making friends as an adult, which is a challenging thing for a lot of people. Um, and that being a very important part of being able to build community for joy in our life. So, uh, before we go, can you please tell everybody where they can find you? Yes, um, they can find us, uh, they can find me personally at love, L-O-V-E dot R-A-D-H-A on Instagram. Um, they can find Daybreaker and all of our dance parties, both in the real, in real life and also online at daybreaker.com. And then our joy practice, you can also find on daybreaker.com to join our community and practice joy with us every day. And also go buy her book. It's called Belong. Yes. Find your people, create community and live a more connected life. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Rada, for being on the show. Guys, if you like this episode, please share it with someone you love. And hopefully we'll see you over at patreon.com slash the lovely Aaliyah. And we'll see you in the next one. hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, find me at thelovelyalia.com to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Leah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.